Good morning. Rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at Wake Up America Show. Good morning, all you hundreds and hundreds of beautiful people. Nice to see you here. How are you feeling today? It's Wednesday. That means we're halfway there. And when you got almost 800 people watching your stream, I think you're no longer living on a prayer. Please, sir, can I have some more views? Thanks so much to Rumble.com for featuring us, featuring us up front and center here on the Wake Up America show with you and me and the 123 or so, however many people are out there today, uh, we can definitely help spread the message of economic freedom and personal liberty much more successfully now. We're grateful and glad to have you here. Click like, subscribe to the channel if you enjoyed the content that you're watching today. Let's get this show on the road. Well, the Real Clear Politics Average just dropped this morning show a hypothetical matchup between Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump. And well, we may have a future President Donald Trump. Is he going to pull a Grover Cleveland? Of course, you know me and my relentless optimism. I'm going to look on the bright side of things. I've been kind of dour and dismal about our chances next year, but I don't know. Let's look on the bright side of Donald Trump possibly becoming President of the United States again. Is he going to govern from prison? I don't know. We'll talk about that in just a couple of minutes. And then New York City Council announces that they're looking into removing statues of George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. And I've got the news articles that show back when the media, of course, was lying and gaslighting us about the fact that, oh, they're never going to come after Washington and Jefferson. It's wrong to compare the removal of statues like Robert E. Lee to George Washington. Well, guess what? Here we are, uh, what, just a couple of years later, and now they're talking about removing those. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes as well. At 7.30 a.m. this morning, I'm excited to have Senator Bill Igel. He's also running for governor here in the state of Missouri. He got in pretty hot water with leftists here online when he and a fellow Missouri Senator Nick Schroer took flamethrowers to a pile of boxes. Uh, yeah, lefties were freaking out because the boxes were supposed to be an effigy of those porno books that the lefties are trying to put in public schools, not just here in Missouri, but all around the rest of the country. Anyway, so Bill Eigel, who's running for governor here, pulled the stunt and got people fired up, <laughs> you might say, when he and Schroer took the flamethrower to the video. And Twitter, I guess, or X.com now, decided to suspend Bill Eigel's account for like, what, 12 hours? Yeah, they did that to me back when I was running for Senate here in the state of Missouri as a Republican. And I posted a GIF. From Twitter's own archive, you know when you go to post a GIF and you just pull it from Twitter's archive, of Joseph Stalin saying, off to gulag now? Well, Twitter leftists took that as an actual credible threat, as if I have a gulag somewhere here in Missouri. Yeah, we keep it in next to the chicken coop back at the farm in Missouri, you know what I'm saying? And I got a 12-hour suspension for that. But Senator Bill Eigel is going to be joining us this morning at 7.30 a.m. live. We're going to talk to him about this and the dust-up and why he got in trouble, and what he thinks about getting clamped down on his free speech online. Interesting. We'll talk to Senator Bill Eigel this morning, gubernatorial candidate as well, he's, but he's no goober at 7.30 a.m. Central Time. At uh, 7.51 this morning, well, this is a no-simp zone. If you watch the Wake Up America show, you'll know that despite the fact that we do have lots of lovely ladies here on the Wake Up America show, you Tuesdays and Thursdays, Camelia, the lovely Daniela Pensack, and on Fridays we've got... My smoking hot redheaded libertarian wife. This is still a no simp zone. We love our ladies of liberty. We treat our ladies of liberty kind, kindly and with respect, but absolutely no, no simping. God! 
And no, Lauren Bieber, God, please, her no, ex-husband, no, posted this apology no, note on no. Facebook apologizing to her and everybody about his public divorce. And I was just like, Ugh. how dare you? It's like, no, please stop with this gross simping, this public excoration, this self-flagellation, I think is what the Catholics call it. Although self-flagellation was something else when I was in high school. Anyways, <laughs> we'll talk about that at 7.51 today. Uh, judge Andrew Napolitano will be joining us today. Here comes the judge. Here comes the judge. Y'all love big brain time, don't you? For, the, for those of you who might not know, uh, every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Central Time, Judge Andrew Napolitano, the host of the Judging Freedom Podcast, who's an old friend of mine. We worked together back at Fox Business. Uh, I was an associate producer of the show Freedom Watch. Does anybody remember Freedom Watch? Well, the funny thing is about that, too, about Freedom Watch, is that I actually have a fellow producer and writer for the show, Freedom Watch, will be joining me at 8.30 a.m. today. It's his first time joining us on the Wake Up America show, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about the immigration crisis. Did you see this video from Louis C.K. where he made the argument for open borders for the United States because he said, and I don't think he was joking when I showed Stephanie this video last night, Louis C.K., he it, it didn't seem like he was joking when he was saying that the reason why we need open borders is to make the United States worse. The problem, of course, with the idea that he might be joking about that is that if he's joking, then you might assume he means the opposite. But I'm pretty sure he doesn't mean the opposite. I'm pretty sure that he was being serious when Louis C.K. appeared on Joe Rogan's podcast the other day and said the reason why we need to let floods of migrants into the United States is to make the United States worse. Somehow Louis C.K. has, take, has actually had made the worst opinion when it comes to immigration of all time. Uh, anyways, we're going to talk about that this morning with Todd Seavey. He was a uh, fellow producer and writer on the show Freedom Watch with me and Fox Business back when we both worked with Judge Anna Napolitano. Judge Anna Napolitano is going to join us this morning at 8 a.m. to talk about the 14th Amendment of the Constitution and why leftists are saying that Donald Trump is ineligible to run for president of the United States again because, well, of the 14th Amendment. But let's go ahead and get this show on the road. Over a thousand people watching. Are you kidding me? Don't threaten me with a good time. The Wake Up America shows every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. And you can join us any day, Monday through Friday. We'd love to have you come back and join us for uh, On the Regs. Make sure that you click like and subscribe to the channel that you're watching this morning if you like the content. All right. Well, I'm a relentless optimist. I'm always the type of person who sees a silver lining in every cloud, right? And despite the fact that I've been a little dour or dismal, if you will, on the chances of Donald Trump running and winning the presidency again, because, well, one, if Donald Trump is right and the Democrats cheat, they're definitely going to cheat again, right? And then two, I think there's a lot of people who will crawl over broken glass, glass to vote against Donald Trump. Most of those people have uteruses, but nothing has really changed since then. However, if Donald Trump is going to be the presidential nominee, and I think that that's probably going to be the case. Sorry, DeSantis supporters. It's not that I don't like him. Hell, I'm probably going to vote for Vivek Ramaswamy in the primary, but I think Donald Trump's probably going to win. And if that's the case, well, does Donald Trump actually have a chance? Well, real clear politics seems to think he does. As a matter of fact, when you take a look at the polls weighted here, Biden versus Trump general election, the latest ones have dropped, shows with Donald Trump with a very slight lead, 45.1 over 44.6. And you could say, well, it's kind of early. You never know how these things are going to shake out. And that is absolutely true. However, I think that uh, I've hold on. If somebody says, turn up your volume, I can't hear you. I'll tell you what, I'll turn up my volume just for you. Give me a second, lady. 
One, uno momento. Uno momento. How's this? Is this a little bit better? A little bit louder? That is as loud as this freaking... So let's take a look at what might be what might be coming if Donald Trump becomes president of the United States again. Let's look at all of the best of Donald Trump. There were a lot of good reasons to support Donald Trump. There were a lot of good reasons to say that Donald Trump deserved a second term and maybe he's going to get his second term. This speech that he gave in front of the United Nations to me I think was a representative of some of the best of Donald the Trump. Greatest- and maybe the best days are yet to come. Maybe this isn't the end of the American Republic. Maybe we can turn our economy around. We can get Bidenomics out of there. We're going to wash that man right out of our hair. We're going to wash that. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him... All right, we'll compare that to this. The greatest in the United States Constitution is its first three beautiful words. They are... We, the people, generations of Americans have sacrificed to maintain the promise of those words, the promise of our country and of our great history. In America, the people govern, the people rule, and the people are sovereign. I was elected not to take power, but to give power to the American people where it belongs. In foreign affairs, we are renewing this founding principle of sovereignty. Our government's first duty is to its people, to our citizens, to serve their needs, to ensure their safety, to preserve their rights, and to defend their values. As President of the United States, I will always put America first. I mean, I think that that's the best of Donald Trump. Hey, I, I see that you guys are fighting over the mic volume in the chat. I restored it back to where it was. I apologize for those who are like Robbie and uh, others who are a little bit harder of hearing. You're going to have to max me out because I am maxed out on volume and also clipping is another issue. Uh, volume for podcasts is just an absolute nightmare if you don't know. So apologize that I can't please everyone. If you'd like to have your thoughts uh, and opinions registered on the show, you can always text us and let us know what's on your mind. At 573-319-1586. Again, you can text the show today. Let us know what's on your mind at 573-319-1586. When I voted for Donald Trump in 2020, I had to do so on the basis of policies because a lot of people vote for politicians based on their personalities. They like this candidate. They hate that candidate. A lot of times people go to the polls because they're voting against a particular political candidate. I can't do that. When I vote for someone for president of the United States, I have to have a very specific set of policy reasons for doing something like that. So I asked before the election in 2020, if anybody could help me put together a list of accomplishments that Donald Trump had made that would make people like myself, who are more liberty Republicans, feel better about voting for Donald Trump. Because certainly I think that the left has become a unique threat to our liberties. And I'll tell you this, that the list that Robbie Starbuck came up with and shared with me, I think was actually a terrific list of Donald Trump's accomplishments that were that had that had merit for Liberty Republicans like myself. Trump's accomplishments when he was president of the United States. Not all of these are the kinds of things that Liberty Republicans like myself are in favor of. 
but a lot of conservative Republicans are, and I think that it bears mentioning. Now, this list that I have of Trump accomplishments, I'd be happy to share with anyone who's interested. And if you're interested in grabbing a copy of this 25-page document, obviously, I'm not going to have time to get through all of these. I'd be happy to share it with you if you want to share with me your email address. So just send me a text with your email address and say, hey, Austin, I'd like to take a look at this document from Robbie Starbuck. You can you can text the show at 573-319-1586. Trump signed lots of bills uh, for Native American people giving compensation to the Spokane tribe for the loss of their land in the mid-1900s. So he did a lot for Native tribes. He also created the Space Force as our sixth military branch. And while Liberty Republicans like myself can quibble about the need for a new military branch or bureaucracy, I think that there is an actual argument to be made for the need for a space force for the wars to come when the uh, American people finally start to colonize space. It is a, a discussion that people, that future people in, will be having, and it's one that we need to might as well just breach right now because we've already created a space force. And I have someone who is a good friend of mine who's in the space force right now, and she makes a very and she's a Liberty Republican, and she makes a very good argument for why they need to exist. Let's not quibble over that right now. Trump signed a law to make cruelty to animals a federal fel felony so that animal abusers face tougher consequences. Now, I don't agree with making more felonies over things like this. I think that animal cruelty laws should be state laws, but I know a lot of people believe in these kinds of things, and whether or not you agree with it, these are legitimate accomplishments. While Donald Trump was in office, violent crime was actually falling. Wouldn't that be nice to actually have crime falling? Instead of increasing, yes, crime was falling every year that Donald Trump was in office. Donald Trump also signed a bill making CBD and hemp legal. That is a Liberty Republican issue on December 20th of 2018. If you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, good morning. We're glad to have you here, and I am thankful to have you as an audience member. Make sure that you click like and subscribe to the channel. If you wonder what we're talking about right now, we're, we I was... Comparing Donald Trump's record, uh, we're looking at um, Donald, well, I was comparing the poll numbers of Donald Trump to Biden, and it looks like Donald Trump actually, with the weighting the average of all of the polls that are out there, the official polls, Real Clear uh, Politics shows Donald Trump with a very slight lead over Joe Biden in hypothetical 2024 matchup. And so in, in my relentless optimis, optimism, with my relentless optimism, I'm trying to look on the bright side of things with a chance that we might actually see a Republican president sweep Bidenomics away and restore our American economy. Because, God, are we not hurting? Have you gone and gassed up lately? I think I paid $3.79 a gallon yesterday for gas in Jefferson City. I live in a poor town. I don't know about you, but I live in a community that is rather impoverished. Uh, and if you're paying, if I'm paying $3.79 where I live in Jefferson City, I don't know. I don't even want to know what they're paying in California. I don't even want to know. Somebody texted me the other day what they were paying in Boston, and I already forgot. But it's a hell of a lot more than $3.79 a gallon. Some people said that I think that it was like $5.50 a gallon in California. That is a direct result of the type of policies that are anti-fossil fuel policies that the Democrats put in place immediately as soon as they won election. The Democrats put anti-fossil fuel policies in place. And, you know, another reason why I like Vivek Ramaswamy so much is because one of the things he leads with is fighting back against the climate cult. Can I get a shout out for Vivek Ramaswamy? Put your hands in the air. Wave them around like you just don't care. Vivek Ramaswamy, 
out there talking about drill, baby, drill. We need to frack. We need to burn coal. We need to build nuclear power plants. Give it up for Vivek. Yeah. Vivek Ramaswamy. He's my boy. Do we have any Vivek Ramaswamy fans? I'd love to hear from you out there. You can send us a text at 573-319-1586. Corey and Callie says 549 to 609. Grover Bentley, how the hell are you getting $3.69 Nice. Yeah. In Kissimmee, Florida. I'd love to know. Uh, Quest Fanning says it was $379 in Brooklyn. What the hell? Why are we in poor town, Missouri, paying the same amount as people in, Bro- in Brooklyn? That is just not fair. <laughs> that is not fair at all. Anyway, so we're, we're talking about Donald Trump's accomplishments because uh, my optimistic side is trying to look forward to brighter days for the United States back when. United States was great, and I would love to make America great again. If Donald, and I have said on the show that I, and I have never worn a Make America Great Again hat, right? But I will wear a MAGA hat, and I will put it on on this show, and I will wear it proudly if Donald Trump picks for his running mate, not Carrie Lake, but Vivek Ramaswamy. I just cannot no, do it. I cannot God. deal with Carrie Lake. No! I know that she's big in the GOP circles and stuff, but I don't see it. I get strong grifter vibes. I know. And I shouldn't say that. I should try to get along with everybody because I know that it's this is politics is a business and I'm losing out on business by criticizing people in my own party. You're not supposed to say anything unkind about Lauren Boebert getting groped up at the uh, at the theater. When in reality, I don't care about it getting groped. I was just mad that she's singing along at the musical and being loud and obnoxious and distracting people when they paid a lot of money for those tickets. Okay, because I'm an elitist son of a bitch. But I'll say this. I will say this. I don't think that Carrie Lake is a good vice presidential pick for Donald Trump. I think he might pick her, but I think that the reason why he might pick her is because he's, as he's not so great at picking people to work for him, he might continue that because I think Carrie Lake won't outshine him. And I think that the fear with Vivek Ramaswamy is that Vivek might outshine Donald Trump. I, I just, if it's Carrie Lake or something... <laughs> Marjorie Taylor Greene. I just, no, no, no antics. Vivek is smart. He could take on the left. Did you see what he did? I played this a couple of weeks ago, this clip. Did you see what Vivek Ramaswamy said about Representative Ayanna Presley? Remember, you know, the, she's like the bald black chick in the squad. Well, apparently she said, she was talking about Vivek Ramaswamy, and she says that we don't need more brown faces that don't represent brown voices. <laughs> and, and Vivek Ramaswamy came back, slapped her down, and was like, shut up, you bald bitch. It's, it, he's like, he's like, what did he say? He goes, oh, yeah, she called her, he called her the face of the modern KKK. <laughs> Where's my evil laughter? So I like Vivek like cake, but I know a lot of people say Vivek like snake, but a lot of those people are DeSantis supporters who are really butthurt that Ron DeSantis is not doing better in the polls. And you know, who knows? Here's here's my problem is that I think that we actually suffer from too many good choices in the Republican Party at this point. I like Ron DeSantis. I like Vivek Ramaswamy. I kind of like Donald Trump. He's not my first choice, but he's probably going to be the choice. So, you know what? We got to play the hand as the cards are dealt, baby. We're going to have to deal with the world as it is, not as we want the world to be. We got to fight the battle. Sometimes you got to fight the battle where where you're at because the enemy surprised you and you're just going to have to fight the best that you can. 
We'd all love to be able to pick the hill that we want to fight and die on. But at the end of the day, sometimes they, they got the drop on us. Okay. And the Democrats cheat and the Democrats are, are liars and the Democrats are going to do everything that they can to win this election. They're going to be trying to cut our throats at night, right? They're like the thieves. If I don't know if any of you play Dungeons, Dungeons and Dragons, but like the Republicans are like barbarian class, uh, fighter class, paladin class. And then you've got the Democrats, which if you're if you're into um, Baldur's Gate three, you could tell I'm playing a lot of Dungeons and Dragons these days. But the Democrats are like rogue class, right? Like urchin class. They're uh, um, you know wizard class or like war, more like warlock. We'll keep the wizard. I like wizards. So sorcerers, well, sorcerers and war- wizards can be in the Republican side. But like the warlocks, necromancers, Democrats for sure are, are necromancers, right? using their black magic to raise the dead and right, right from hell, the spawns of Satan, right? <laughs> so that's the thing is that the, the Republicans have got to realize that these are the kinds of people that we're playing against. So you've got to build up a party of paladins that can use their light magic against the necromancers who are going to be raising zombies from the dead. So you got to have lots of fire spells, right? Cause you got to torch the zombies. Oh, Wait, wait, speaking of fire spells, I actually, I know a wizard who knows a pretty good fire spell and he cast it the other day against leftist necromancers and they've been freaking out ever since and he's going to be on the show in less than 10 minutes. Senator Bill Igel, take a look and a listen. Five, Here he is, casting four, a spell. Three, what a great two, one. Let's go. He's got a plus 10 against ogres and uh, communists. There it is. There you go. That's the kind of magic that you need to use against the black magic evil of the left. I just want to say, I did not like write that segue where I would start talking about Dungeons and Dragons and then perfectly segue into it a fire spell with Bill Igo. That was just all like right there at the last minute. I just made that up as I was going. It's a genius, genius, big brain here, big brain on this guy right here. Uh, so if you like this content that you're watching and listening to right now, you might want to send it. You might want to like and subscribe to the channel that you're watching us on right now. It's awesome to see 1,700 people watching us on Rumble. What's up? Good morning. Welcome to the Wake Up America show. We're grateful and glad to have you here. We're definitely going to be talking to State Senator Bill Igel. He's the man who was in that video, the wizard casting the spell, the flame spell against leftist necromancers. Again, he's got a plus 10 against communists and zombies. We're going to be talking to State Senator Bill Igel here in just in less than 10 minutes. But before we do, I want to talk to you about my friends over at Lear Capital, who are the one, the reason why I'm able to stay in business, because I know that advertising can get annoying for some people, but like we should sort of be celebrating this, right? Because if it weren't for Bidenomics, there'd probably be, if, you know, if Bidenomics wasn't here, like we'd be having a whole slew of shows all day long. We could afford to have four or five more shows coming on right after the Wake Up America show. And that's the plan. I'm trying to build a Liberty Network here and Lear Capital is investing in me. And so I wanna to talk to you about them and why it's great a great idea for you to invest in them. Because when you invest in them, you're investing in me. They have got an awesome special going on right now. $500 account credit. If you're investing in gold and silver or if you're looking at investing in gold and silver, today's a great day to give them a call at 1-800-885-885. 
1-800-885-2175. Again, that's 1-800-885-2175. I believe in their capital so much that I recommended it to my mother-in-law. Now, do you think that I'm the type of man who is so suicidal that I would recommend an investment to my mother-in-law because do you know what would happen to me if she lost money or if they were bad business dealings? Yeah, I would be an ex-son-in-law, you know? So that's how you know that you can trust me and trust their capital because if I wouldn't recommend it to my family members, I wouldn't recommend it to you. You can only get the $500 account credit if you call that number. So I suggest that you write it down right now, real quick before we go, because I'm getting ready to transfer over to Bill Eigel. Um, but write that number down, 1-800-885-2175. That's the only way to get that $500 account credit that I'm talking about. If you're just interested in learning more, you can sign up for a gold and silver information packet at that website, learaustin.com. That's L-E-A-R-A-U-S-T-I-N.com. Go ahead and visit that website today. Get signed up. They'll send you a free gold and silver information packet. But the only way to get that $500 account credit to get your investing in gold and silver started is to call that number, 1-800-885-2175. Thank you very much, Lear Capital, for sponsoring this show. All right, well, State Senator Bill Eigel is coming up next. Don't go away during the commercial break. When I get back, we're going to talk about that man. What was, the, what was he burning? Was he burning books? That's what the left was accusing him of. Didn't look like books to me. And also, the left doesn't seem to understand the proper use of the word literal. Maybe it's because of their public schools. <laughs> Talk about that when we get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Donald Trump and... Five, four, three, two, one. America. Oh, my God. What are they doing? Are they burning books? Good morning. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. 1,800 people. What is going on? You guys try to give me a heart attack or something? Come on. Glad to have you here. If you're enjoying the content you're watching this morning, don't forget to click like and subscribe to the channel so you can get updates whenever we go live. The Wake Up America shows every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central. I'm super excited to see the massive influx of the new audience members here, but we'd love to see you back here again tomorrow morning. So make sure you click subscribe before you go today so you can get updates and join us again so we can rise in freedom. Freedom fighting five days a week. We don't take the weekends off so much as just get ready for the next week's freedom fighting. Well, we love to have freedom fighters on our show this morning. Joining us now live is the man that you saw in that video. He was suspended from Twitter for 12 hours over that video. What the hell is going on? Don't we have free speech in this country anymore? Joining us now, state senator and gubernatorial, but no goober, candidate here in the state of Missouri, Bill Eigel. Good morning, Bill. How are you doing today, sir? Nice to have you here. Good morning, Austin. Thanks for having me. All right. So give us a skinny here, Bill. Uh, you take a flamethrower to what, a bunch of boxes, right? Yep. Yeah, it was it was a, a pile of empty cardboard boxes. I can assure you and all your listeners that uh, no actual books were harmed in the creation of that video. And yet uh, it didn't take but a minute uh, for every leftist in, on the planet, it sounds like, to decide that we were, in fact, uh, burning books, and they spread that lie so quickly uh, around the country, around the planet that uh, we, we we didn't even have barely had time to respond. And you know, on one hand, you know, I'm I'm certainly disappointed that all of everything that made that video go viral was a lie, but I, I'm not surprised. I mean, 
uh, these leftists, uh, they don't, the truth doesn't matter to them. You know, the truth has never mattered to them. These are the same folks that are saying that men can get pregnant. So truth really doesn't have a place in these people's minds. And so that's why it spread so quickly. Now, uh, the, the, this week, uh, earlier this week, when uh, this clearly was going viral all around the country, we got a lot of inquiries uh, and they were asking me questions like, would you ever buy barn books? Would you ever support burning books? Uh, and I made the point that, you know, uh, one of the concerns that a lot of people in Missouri have are these pornography books and materials that are getting into our schools and our libraries. And, you know, if I were the governor of this state uh, and the only thing standing between the children of this state and uh, getting their hands on pornographic materials uh, was a bonfire on the governor's mansion lawn, then listen, I was going to do what I needed to do there. Uh, but we're talking about pornographic, vulgar pornographic materials and protecting children from this type of material. There's there's nothing I wouldn't do to protect those kids. And that's what I'm going to be as governor of the state. OK, I get it. So you're making a statement here about what the left is trying to do with our kids in schools. I don't know if you saw the video recently of that senator from um, from Louisiana, Kennedy, where he was actually reading from the book Gender Queer uh, in a Senate hearing, and people were claiming that it's inappropriate. Well, yeah. it, I've seen this happen at school board meetings where they're reading from these books and they shut them down. You get demonetized on YouTube if you read it, and yet they want it to be read in schools. It makes no sense, yeah. does it? No, it, it doesn't make sense. In fact, just last night, Austin, uh, here in St. Charles County, one of the largest Republican counties in the entire state of Missouri, uh, there was a out a public outcry at a local library board meeting uh, because in that when one of the branches here in Spencer Road, uh, pornographic materials were found. There was a book. The title of the book was called Bang Like a Porn Star. That's the title of the book, and it includes all sorts of sexually explicit material. So we're not talking about great works of artistic endeavor here when we're talking about uh, what would be what would we do to keep these out of the hands of kids? We're talking about first and second graders getting their hands on some of the most sexually explicit material that anybody in our country has ever thought of. And, and as governor of this state, if my only choice was to allow those kids to get their hands on that or burn those books on the front lawn of the governor's mansion, I'm going to go with the latter. So uh, we've got to be bold about protecting our kids, man. And I, I, Austin, you know, for as long as I've been in politics for the past seven years, everybody on the left and many in my own party have have just consistently been attacking me for taking uh, quite, quite frankly, firm and bold stands on this. And I'm going to continue to do that. I don't care what names they call me. Uh, nobody would uh, defend you uh, harder than I would, because uh, I've known you, Bill, for several years now. And you've even back when I was running for Senate in 2018, you were a vocal supporter of my campaign when a lot of people were fighting against me, of course. And, and you were out there saying, hey, Austin's a good guy and he fights for limited government. You know, being a liberty Republican in the GOP can sometimes be like, you know, being the ugly girl at the prom. You know what I mean? Hey, well, but. Well. Well, <laughs> I, 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 are you saying that I'm I'm an ugly girl? I no, I'm saying that you're like you're like the prom king who dances with the ugly girl. <laughs> well, well I, I tell you, uh, you know, certainly uh, we've had we have a real problem with the status quo uh, with the, in this state in in, our, in the Republican supermajority. It's a status quo that's kind of been co opted uh, by the swamp in Jefferson City, and that's why government has continued to get bigger in this state. In fact, we're spending Austin. You know, we're we're spending more money in Jefferson City. Than we've ever spent before. We're more dependent on the federal government in this state than any other state in the union. And because we've done that, we've allowed that to happen. And Republicans have allowed that to happen. Republicans in Jefferson City, 
we we are stagnating as a state. People are moving to the other big red states. They're moving to Tennessee or Florida or Texas. And I think all those states are great, but I just think Missouri ought to be a leader. And uh, I'm out there trying to bring attention to the issues that as I go around the state of Missouri and put 40,000 miles on my truck talking to Republicans, they're telling me about. People are, are, are furious that Republicans haven't addressed property taxes or personal property taxes. They're furious that these pornographic materials are being put in front of their kids in the schools and the libraries of this state. And they are so upset that I think that in 2024, we've already seen this, by the way, we've already seen change come to the uh, the, the school board elections around this state. We've seen them come to state Senate races around this state. 2024 is the year where I think it's going to happen in the statewide election, where we're finally going to elect someone that isn't going to be beholden to the swamp that is holding the state back. Love to hear it. If you're just tuning in to the Wake Up America show, good morning. Nice to see you here. We got a lot to celebrate. This is now the highest rated show ever, highest rated show I've ever done. And the Wake Up America show just crossed 2,000 viewers. We've got 2,063 people watching us live. Yeah. Right now, huge audience. All right, yes. no pressure, no pressure there. Congratulations, Bill. this is and a great thank day. You. Thank you, and it's a great day, absolutely. A great day for freedom. So don't forget if you're watching the show for the first time, which I know many of you are, make sure that you click like on the stream and subscribe to the channel so you can get updates when we go live every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. The Wake Up America Show fights for economic freedom and personal liberty. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. I'm joined now by State Senator Bill Eigel. He got in a little hot water, apparently, for burning an effigy, a bunch of boxes with a flamethrower, <laughs> the types of pornographic material that the left wants to put in our schools. We've been talking about that, but I want to talk to you, Bill, about what happened on X.com. Elon Musk, who took over Twitter and turned it into X.com, claims that he wants to make it a platform for free speech. So when yeah. I saw you were suspended, I said, what gives? What happened? Yeah, so uh, we we were notified, uh, I think it was around five o'clock a couple of days ago, that our account had been permanently suspended, permanently suspended. Uh, and that if we wanted to, we were we were we were more than welcome to try to appeal that decision, but that we were going to be suspended for, in their words, inciting violence. And so uh, but for me saying apparently burning burning cardboard boxes is inciting violence uh, by the initial look that uh, X gave this. And uh, I want to make clear, we had not submitted, we did not submit an appeal uh, by, you know, I think it was several hours later when we were removed from suspensions, we had not submitted appeal. So nothing had been done on our end. X, to their credit, to their credit, came to the realization that they had made a mistake, uh, that we were we were doing nothing of the sort and, and reinstated my account less than 12 hours later. Now, uh, and I'm glad, I'm glad for that. I'm glad for that they came from came to that decision, I think what, what they were experiencing was kind of the mass reporting of, it could have been millions uh, of leftists all over the planet. I mean, this is a story that is being reported in Paris, France this morning. I, I'm seeing the posts on, on Twitter, right, or, or X right now, excuse me, X right now that are written in French for the French newspapers uh, in Paris. I mean, this is, this, is, this is a story that has gone so far that really, uh, really exemplifies the, the culture war that's going on in this country right now and in our state. So uh, it's amazing. I'm glad to see that X did the right thing. But yeah, they they uh, they kind of caved to a little bit of uh, uh, censorship pressure there. And for a few hours, we were we were we were not available. We got to keep an eye on them, because certainly if you're if you were a left of center, if you were a lefty and you were burning copies of Ron DeSantis's book or Donald Trump's Art of the Deal, I'm sure that they would not have done the same thing to you. But 
You've probably paid attention to the lawsuit by the state of Missouri and Louisiana against the federal government for clamping down on free speech. Have you been seeing some of the um, of the results of that case uh, out of the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in Louisiana, Bill? Have you been following this? Uh, I've been following a little bit. And of course, there are so many lawsuits that uh, that are in work against the federal government right now. It's kind of hard to keep track of them all. But uh, this is an issue that is uh, at the forefront of our political discussion right now. If guys like me are prohibited from getting our message out uh, and violating uh, my free speech uh, rights, then and if that's OK, if that's tolerated by government, then our government is no better than the tyr- tyrannical government that we gained our independence from more than 200 years ago. So, uh, I mean, we're seeing, Austin, we're, look at the examples that we're seeing in our country, in America today, uh, of tyranny. Look at the governor of New Mexico, right? Uh, last week, the governor of New Mexico uh, decides that through executive fiat, she can arbitrarily cancel, conceal, and constitutional carry uh, protections in New Mexico state law. Did the New Mexico legislature step in and impeach her for that? No, it's a Democratic legislature. Did the state courts in New Mexico step in and stop her from doing that? No, it had to be a federal court that came in and said that they were doing that. But if if that's okay, if executives, if the kings of our states, uh, as we see in a state like New Mexico, are allowed to arbitrarily decide which rights will be protected and which rights will be trampled, we are finished as a republic. And the left right now, they are ter- they are absolutely terrified. The reason this has gone viral, the reason the lies and the attacks are coming my way, they are terrified that a guy like me might become the governor of a state like Missouri because I'm the one that's going to kick over all their apple carts. They know that I'm not going to take any of their grief and I will take every bullet coming the way of the six million people here in Missouri. And I will take those bullets on their behalf with a smile on my face as I get up early in the morning. So. Uh, they are terrified of that because in Missouri, we haven't had that kind of leader. We haven't had that kind of fighter that's going to really be willing to stand in the breach. And I think that uh, the people of the show me state are so desperate. They're so desperate for that person to come along and be who they promised they would be in campaign season. Be that person. And as you know, for seven years, I've been that person. So uh, I think it's going to be a uh, it's going to be as a. A very exciting political discussion over the next 11 months. I'm expecting them to attack me more. And honestly, I'm ready for it. If you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, the voice that you're listening to right now is State Senator Bill Eigel. He's also a gubernatorial candidate here in St. Missouri, running to be the governor. He got in big trouble, hot water, when he took a very hot flamethrower to a bunch of boxes and left his online claim that he was, quote, literally, literally burning books, literally. Um, literally. I guess they didn't even pay attention to those in those public schools that they love so much. Because that's not really what literally means. It's actually metaphorically. Uh, we can talk about that later. I went to public schools back when public schools were pretty decent. Ray Peck High graduated in 1999. but And I also get a vote in this primary uh, bill. And it's going to be re- at the moment right now. I think the only declared candidates are you and Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe. Uh, and then there's like talk that Jay Ashcroft might be running. Apparently he's running. He's raising a lot of money, but we haven't heard from him officially yet. One of the big issues that I'll be voting on, Bill, and I wonder where you stand on it, it when it comes to schools, is the issue of school choice. Are you pro school choice or anti school choice? Always have been uh, pro school choice. That is sorry, <laughs> sorry I missed that last second of the, of the yes question. No. There. No, I'm, I'm always no. <laughs> always pro school choice. Yes. No, no. I'm, I'm pro school choice. I'm pro empowering parents. You know, I, I it, as I've been in the 
uh, legislature. I've been the sponsor of legislation to expand charter schools in this state. I voted for uh, they've been not many of them make make it. Not many of the school choice bills have made it through the legislature, but certainly I voted for everyone that has. And I continue. I, I will continue to be an advocate for school choice. Uh, I would add, though, and highlight to you that there's a second piece to this equation on education, and I think we have, and that is the bureaucracy of the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education in this state. Uh, that bureaucracy, you know, the, DESE used to be an office of six individuals whose only job was to send checks to the local public schools from the state. Well, now there are 2,000 people that work in that office, and they serve as basically an authoritarian oversight bureaucracy that's forcing some of this DEI, the CRT junk, down into the public schools. Uh, and they have become this oversight board that's also taking money from the federal government and taking federal regulations and enforcing on them at the local level. So in many cases, uh, it's tying the hands of local school districts. So uh, I'm going to be the breaker of bureaucracies. I'm going to be the guy that's going to come in here and uh, reform DESE. And I want to let, let me clarify that when I say reform DESE, I'm talking about defunding DESE, not defunding schools defunding DESE. So, so yes, yes to school choice. Yes to breaking up that bureaucracy. Uh, yes to uh, free. <laughs> yes to freeing. Free. <laughs> yeah, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> so, yes, I'm on board. The answer to your You're on board. Yeah, no, somebody left this decapitated uh, or this uh, uh, amputated hand on my computer desk when I came into the studio. Uh, State, State Senator Bill Igel, you're a hero for liberty. You're running for governor here in the state of Missouri. You take flamethrowers to leftist propaganda. You're fighting back against the left harder than anybody else here in the state of Missouri right now. Uh, I salute you, sir. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners, perhaps a plug or your website before we let you go today? Yeah, if folks like what they hear, they can help out. Go to my website, BillEigel.com. You know, we have had 30,000 individuals sign up on that website to be a part of the team. And the response this week has been uh, amazing. I don't think we've ever uh, had as much uh, statewide recognition uh, as we have as we've kind of been at the forefront of the discussion this week. So it's a great time to go to BillEigel.com and sign up to be a part of the fight. There you go. Hey, Bill, congratulations on all that free press the left is giving you and best of luck in your campaign, sir. Thanks for standing up for freedom. Thanks, Austin. We'll talk soon. Thanks very much. That's State Senator Bill Eigel. What did you think? Send us a text. 573-319-1586 is the text line. Again, you can let us know how you feel about what's going on in the world or the what you think about our guests and topics at 573-319-1586. Again, text lines are open. 573-319-1586. Yeah, I don't know where this came from, but I walked in this morning and it's like, not only is there the uh, amputated uh, hand, but also, hold on. Oh. Hi, I'm Missouri's only president, Harry S. Truman. I, I nuked Japan, and I'd do it again if they messed with us. Don't mess with Missouri, because we'll fight for your liberty, and if anybody dares mess with us, then we'll nuke them. God bless Harry S. Truman. All right, well, some I have to say. Uh, if you're enjoying the content this morning and you want to continue to join us, don't forget we are every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time, on the Wake Up America show, ding dang it, it's almost exhausting how much fun we're having here with 2,100 people watching us. That's definitely the high watermark. So if you don't click like and subscribe, then Greta Thunberg will haunt your dreams. How dare you? She'll come and get you. So if you don't want to have bad dreams at night, no, I know. Don't panic. You know what we'll do is we'll 
If you don't click like and subscribe, we're going to send pervy Joe Biden after your daughters. I'm looking at her. She looks like she's 19 years old sitting there with her, like a little lady with her legs crossed. That's right. There's only one way to make America great again. From and that now is- on, it's going to be America first. OK, yes. America first. Thank you, Mr. President. We appreciate you very much on that one. All right. Well, in the vein of America first, you know what makes America great? And it's AR-15s. You know, they like they, they like to say nobody needs an AR-15. And yet this next clip that was shared by our friend Anthony Kumia online yesterday is probably a good reason why we need an AR-15. From the backyard and snuck in using police-like tactics, making sure they had every entrance covered and constantly communicated with each other. And then they sat and waited, five of them, each armed with a handgun. This guy even had a high-capacity extended magazine. This guy's meant business. Oh, 100%. I, I don't understand why, why else you go into a house with five guys, each with uh, handguns. Luckily, no one was home, but the homeowner watched the whole ordeal live on his phone and called police. The robbers got away with some electronics and other valuables. What's more, investigators say another home invasion 12 days earlier happened on Hunter Lane, about a half mile away. That time, a family was held at gunpoint. Why would you ever need an AR-15 with 30 rounds? Well, let's see. Let's count. One, two, three... Four, five, six for the guy with the extended mag. Seven, eight, nine for the guy in the back, just to make sure. Why would anybody ever need an AR-15 with a 30-round magazine? Well, it looks like I just showed you why. Anyways, I'm just feeling really proud this morning, not just because the audience is so huge and I'm kind of excited about it. Great success, but uh, also because I got contacted by a family member the other day, and she reached out to me specifically to ask my advice on how uh, to buy, how and how much should she pay for and how to acquire and use an AR-15. I was like, (laughs) no, not evil laugh, not evil laugh. I was just like, oh God, yes, God bless it. My heart swelled with pride. I mean, is there really a better compliment that any man can get than to be contacted by a female friend or a family member and say, hey, Austin, I'd like to know a little bit more about how to buy an AR and how to use an AR-15. I was just, I just felt just magical, right? You know, and I know that the lefties right now are like, FBI, open up! But AR-15s are still legal in this country, so now is probably a good time to get one. No, I'm not advertising AR-15s. I wish an AR-15 company would sponsor me. And with these numbers, and they just might. But that's a huge compliment. If you're a guy and somebody asks you, you know, how to buy an AR-15 and how to use one properly. I mean, I just, I can't wait. So she, she sent me it as a DM. So I was just like, all right, now this is not the kind of thing we're going to do over a direct message. We are going to have a phone call about, remember those phone calls? We're going to have a phone call. We're going to have a sit down. And you know what I'm going to, I'm going to recommend to you the same thing that I'm going to recommend to her, which is that I know not all of us are crafty. Certainly I'm not super crafty, but I always recommend that you build your own AR-15s, not because it's cheaper because it is a little bit cheaper. But because, for example, if you get raided by six dudes at night with Glocks and extended mags, you're going to want to know how your AR-15 works. You're going to want to know how to take your AR-15 apart and clean it and put it back together. And if there's ever a malfunction or a jam or a problem, you know and understand how that gun works. If you're going to use a gun for your own self-defense, My recommendation is typically, unless it's like a handgun, you know, like a Glock or a SIG or a Taurus or what have you, my recommendation is if you're going to use a rifle for your own self-defense, 
that you know how to take that rifle apart and put it back together. So if you don't buy an AR-15, if you buy an AR-15 directly, at least learn how to break it down and clean it and put it back together. But I think it's more fun. It's like playing Legos with guns. That's why the way I kind of look at it. Plus, you can get all kinds of neat little tricked out things. I like to do that where I can, you know, my guns will end up on one of those AR-15 forums where they make fun of plebes who can't afford like really expensive AR-15 gun parts. But whatever, I'm poor. Just because I have 2,000 people watching my stream doesn't mean I make a lot of money. No, I don't. God! No, but hopefully God, now with please, this big of an no, audience, no, the money will come. We'll see. No, uh, Got to buy some coffee no. from AP for Liberty Shop. But I recommend that you uh, put an AR-15 together because that way you know how to put it together and you know how to take it down. Uh, you don't have to make it yourself in order to know how to clean it and take care of it, right? You don't have to do that. You can buy it, break it down, and put it back together. But I just think that there's there's something quite very wholesome about it. And if you do it with another person, it can be quite a wholesome experience. I've, like, I've built AR-15s with buddies. Um, and uh, other women who like have wanted me to show them how an AR-15 works, we built uh, together. And my, my, I've got like big fat fingers, so having a lady who has little tiny fingers who can put some of the pins in together, it's a great way to do it. So, anyways, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with people who buy AR-15s themselves and you buy them up straight, and you know they learn how to clean them and put them back together, no problem, right? But I'm just saying for myself and for the people who I know and love, I think it's a great process. It's a good bonding process. It's just a great way to learn about the firearm. What do you think? Send us a text at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. All right. Well, when we get back, Judge Andrew Napolitano. Some people say that the 14th Amendment prevents Judge Andrew Napolitano, excuse me, Judge, prevents Donald Trump from running for president of the United States again. We're going to talk about that. And I'm going to ask Judge about this problem of immigration that we have, not only here, but in his ancestral homeland of Italy. They've got a huge problem going on right there with the migrant crisis. We'll talk about that when we get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning, Rise and Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. 2,100 people. Is there any way we'll ever beat that? I don't know. But we're certainly going to try. It's definitely the high water mark. A year and two weeks ago, the Wake Up America show launched. And we would stream to about mm, 20, 30 people live, and then it was about 50 people live. And then, well, about four weeks ago, it was 150 people live. We were really excited about that. Then all of a sudden, you people came and decided to join us. Now we're at 2,100 people, and we're glad and grateful to have you here. I know that Rumble.com has played a big part in that. So if anybody from Rumble down there in Florida is watching us from the HQ this morning, thank you very much. You've got a care package sent from me and my lovely wife. It should be there in the mail either today or tomorrow. So look out for that and hope you enjoy all your goodies. Thank you for your kindness and helping us to spread the message of economic freedom and personal liberty. That's what we're all about here. That's what we talk about every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. Make sure that you click like and subscribe to the channel that you're watching us on right now so that you can get more of the great content that you've been hearing and listening to so far. It's only going to get better. It's big brain time. Every Wednesday on the show, we, we bring one of the biggest lights of liberty in the world onto the show. He's a regular guest. He's an old friend. Every Wednesday at 8 a.m., Big Brain Time with the host of one of the greatest podcasts in the world, Judging Freedom with Judge Andrew Napolitano. He's joining us live right now. Good morning, Judge. Uh, good morning, Ross, and congratulations on, on the increasing numbers. It's uh, truly marvelous. And uh, good morning, everybody, and thank you for watching us. <laughs> glad, glad to have you, Judge. Everybody loves to tune in to hear us having discussions about 
not only the biggest news of the day, but some of the, um, well, more esoteric aspects of libertarian philosophy that people might have never have come in contact with if they hadn't come and tuned into our conversations. But let's start, Judge, with the news. Many leftists or liberals and even some Republicans and conservatives and libertarians argue that Donald Trump is ineligible to run for president of the United States due to the 14th Amendment disallowing anyone who engaged in insurrection against the United States as being ineligible for public office. What's your take? Well, the theory was um, instigated by two conservative uh, Republican academics, very well-respected academics and members of the Federalist Society. And they articulated that theory in a 125-page law review uh, article, which states that the original public understanding, side note, this is the problem with originalism, the original public understanding of the third clause of the 14th Amendment was that government officials on their own who knew that ex-Confederates had been Confederates and were now seeking public office in the country post the Civil War could on their own without any due process, without any evidence other than what they knew. My, my aunt saw you in a Confederate uniform 16 years ago could strike their names from the ballot. And this happened hundreds and hundreds of times. Uh, and when it was challenged, it was upheld. So their argument is, because the 14th Amendment prohibits those who engaged in or aided insurrection against the country from ever seeking public office, and because there appears to be evidence that Donald Trump, by doing nothing to stop what happened on January 6th, therefore aided it, he can be barred from public office. And the, the barring of him does not require due process. It can be done uh, on the whim of a state secretary of state or some election official. Now, that's their argument, uh, as I understand it. When I, I made my snarky parenthetical, because, you know, I loved the Pope of originalism, Justice Scalia, this is the problem with original uh, public understanding. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's irrelevant. Yeah, in 1866, you pretty much knew who had been uh, rebelling against the Union. It pains me to say that uh, because... Uh, it was an act of secession, which I believe was constitutional and lawful. Another argument for another time. But the point is, in 1866, it was obvious who had participated uh, in, in an act of violence uh, against the central government and for whom the 14th Amendment was written. To suggest that today, a state secretary of state, on the basis of what she or he has read in, on the Internet, could bar Trump from running is absurd. Trump hasn't even been accused by federal prosecutors who have been after his jugular for six years, hasn't even been accused of being involved in an insurrection. If Trump is convicted of all 91 criminal counts filed against him, none of them disables him under the 14th Amendment from running for public office. Um, these originalists, uh, have carried the uh, original mantra, what, is the, what was the original public understanding of the 14th Amendment to its most absurd extremes.
That's, that's fascinating how uh, people uh, twist something from so long ago in order to make it relevant to today for their own political agenda, isn't it, Judge? But it in, is. It, I, you know, I don't know if it's for their political agenda. These two academics, uh, I think, are are speaking the way they honestly believe the Fourteenth Amendment um, uh, should be enforced, because they claim that when they started their research, they were of the view that I am now. Got to be due process. If Trump were convicted of engaging in an insurrection or aiding an insurrection, then he fits right within the language uh, of the 14th Amendment. The other aspect of this is uh, textualism. You know, the Constitution means what it says. Okay. Was it just written to bar those who engaged in the war between the states from uh, joining the, the federal government? Or was it written forever to bar those who engaged in any kind of insurrection uh, from joining the 14th Amendment? Well, my friend Justice Gorsuch would say, and Justice Scalia would have said, it means what it says. It, it doesn't limit it to just uh, the war between the states. There are some originalist principles that people like yourself and myself and Clarence Thomas, Justice Clarence Thomas would apply, for example, in the Bruin case, we've been talking about this, you know, governor of New Mexico instituting that 30-day freeze on our, our uh, individual rights for guns. But when Clarence Thomas said in Bruin that any kind of a gun restriction has to be rooted in a restriction that the founding fathers would have found reasonable at the time, we apply that sort of level of originalism because it fits our agenda of more liberty, right? Well, yes and no. I mean, yes, we did applaud that. And yes, it has uh, a happy outcome, but it is not the best argument. Uh, its weakness is it turns judges into historians. The best argument is the one that you and I have been making for as long as we've known each other. Natural rights. You have the natural right to self-defense. You have the natural right to the contemporary means of self-defense. It doesn't matter what the founding fathers thought. Uh, but but you know, Justice Scalia said to me, "It's too Catholic. I'd never get, I'd never get four other votes if I started calling things natural rights." That's why he called them <laughs> pre-political. That's not a bad imitation of his voice. That was pretty way. good, actually. Yeah. So, Thank well, you. You know, I think he would have been okay. I'm not even a Catholic, and yet I like the idea of natural rights. I think it's 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 rooted in the concepts of logic and reason. But th that's yes, yes. Well, listen, the greatest modern defender. American defender of natural rights was Murray Rothbard, uh, born and raised a Jew, remained culturally Jewish, but uh, a proud atheist uh, during his uh, his adult years. He's to this day one of the greatest defenders of St. Thomas Aquinas, who rooted natural rights in reason, not in revelation, but in reason. You know, yeah. you, you can reason that we have these rights in order to seek the truth. It doesn't matter if, if George Washington smoked hemp. Why do I say smoked hemp? Because this is the next uh, level of judicial scrutiny in the Hunter Biden case. <laughs> if the law today has to be what it was in 1791, well, they were smoking hemp and they carried guns. You can't make this up. I do Washington became very wealthy in, by, by cultivating and selling him. <laughs> I think it was a crime not to grow it at some point. 
Um, <laughs> if, if you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, we're grateful and glad to have you here. All 1,600 of you this morning. Good morning. Glad to have you. Thank you, Studio 314, for that donation. We appreciate that very much. He says, Judge Knapp always brings the clarity. Love Wednesdays. Yes, thank you very much. Um, so this, if the Second Amendment isn't my favorite constitutional amendment, it's only because the 14th Amendment exists, Judge. I love the 14th Amendment because I see it as an opportunity, perhaps even greater than the Ninth Amendment, for future liberty in the United States because of, specifically, one of these cases um, that is a woman from New Orleans or a woman from Louisiana where if the Supreme Court uh, rules a certain way in this case, then the Supreme Court may actually codify a right to oh, to start a business, a right to start and own a business, which has sort of a, a long and sordid legal history in the United States as to whether or not you have a right to, to start and own a business. But if this case does what we hope it does, then the 14th Amendment might be used to, to codify in law the idea that individuals not only have a natural right to self-defense, but a natural right to commerce. Am I correct? Listen, I've been arguing for 45 years. You have a natural right to engage in commercial transactions, and it's protected by the Fifth Amendment, which protects life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And liberty is two people agreeing, you know, you pay me $5, I'll send you 100 widgets. That's the commercial transaction that we have the liberty to engage in. However, what you say is correct. The Supreme Court has not only never found that the right to engage in a commercial transaction or even a profession or a business is a fundamental liberty, but the last time the Supreme Court looked at this, which was 1866 in New Orleans, of all places, which at the time was under a military dictatorship from Washington, D.C., the general uh, was Benjamin Barber from Boston, whose nickname was The Butcher. So you can imagine how his uh, troops treated the people that they suppressed. Nevertheless, in that era, the Supreme Court ruled there is no fundamental right to work. I have argued that that has been an error. Justice Scalia has argued it was erroneous. I believe that Justices Thomas and Gorsuch are with us on this as well. So we'll see where this case that you've mentioned, with which I'm unfamiliar, the facts in it I'm unfamiliar with. It's the first I've heard of it. Yeah, this is a um, social I, I worker. This is a social worker in New New Orleans. Ursula Newell Davis has been locked in a multi-year battle with Louisiana to open a care service for special needs children. So, in order for her to open this business, she has to prove to the Department of Health in her state that there is a need for her business. Because at the moment, the State Department of Health says they don't see a need for her business. They've denied more than seventy percent of applicants effectively granting a monopoly to incumbents who enjoy reduced competition for special needs children, care services for special needs children. The uh, government I mean, this is this this is the same state that required a license to build caskets uh, until our friends, I forget the name of the group, one of the libertarian think tanks that's also a a, a law firm uh, uh, challenged it. Institute Institute for Justice. Correct. Wonderful people. Wonderful, wonderful people. Uh, a great uh, understanding of uh, the freedom of, uh, of commerce and the freedom of engaging commercial activity. So even a state as traditional and conservative uh, as Louisiana can have a, an authoritarian uh, impulse. You must 
prove to us, well, who the hell are you? You're just the government. What, what does the government have to say? If, if she wants to start a business and she succeeds, that means she's built a better mousetrap and people are lining up to uh, at her front door. If she fails, it's her loss. The government should have nothing to do with it. It's, it's certainly an interesting question, and I do hope that Institute for Justice is successful in this, that the Supreme Court finds a, uh, a, um, an absolute right to start a business, because that would definitely change the, the landscape in regards to commerce. But of course, the government, just like the state of New York does with firearms, you know, we're still going to have to continue to fight these tyrannical states. If you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, good morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. We're grateful and glad to have you here. If you're joining us now today live for the very first time, and I imagine that the multiple thousands of you who are are seeing us for the first time, don't forget to click like and subscribe to the channel so that you can join us again, because we are every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. Wednesdays are always very special because Judge Andrew Napolitano joins us. We call it big brain time because we talk about not only the big news of the day, but we're also talking about some of the more esoteric parts of libertarian philosophy. Judge and I worked together uh, at uh, Fox Business Network from 2010 to 2012 on his show, Freedom Watch. And we also worked together with a young man who will be joining us um, on the show a little bit later today. Remember Todd Seavey, Judge? Yes, yes. Yeah, Todd Seavey well, will actually be joining me this morning at 8.30 to go into a little bit more detail about the next topic that I'd like to breach with you, Judge, on the regard in regards to the 14th Amendment and specifically how it applies to the children of migrants, if someone comes to the United States and has a child in the United States, that's that child becomes a citizen, at least according to how the 14th Amendment is currently interpreted. This is something that is of great debate in the United States. Many conservatives, and I think even Senator Rand Paul, for example, said that he thinks that this may not this may need to be something that's revisited. Uh, there's a term that people use for it that's quite unkind. Uh, some people call them anchor babies for example, judge, but what is your take on the 14th Amendment and how it may be applied to these quote-unquote anchor babies? Okay, so that is a huge question. What is my take on the 14th Amendment? I mean, the 14th Amendment, of course, is the most controversial, uh, in part because a lot of people believe it was never ratified. I mean, New Jersey and Ohio rescinded their ratifications after they had, it had, they had sent them in, and the Congress counted it anyway. Nevertheless, it's been well established as a part of the Constitution since uh, since 1868. Uh, but scholars often split ideological, almost theological hairs about whether or not the 14th Amendment was ever uh, was ever ratified. It has been accepted as a part of the Constitution, and it clearly states whoever's born here uh, is is an American citizen. The anchor baby, which is a, a derogatory term has been used to criticize a mother or a mother and father who came here during the time of the birth and only to assure that they can stay here because if the child is an American citizen, the child can't be deported. And the public policy of the country and of every state in the country is that to the extent feasible, families must be kept together. So do the math. By the baby being born here, that virtually assures the parents of uh, staying here, even if the parents got here illegally, unless it's a crime of violence, uh, the, the courts are not going to split up that family and put the burden of raising the baby and the harm to the baby being raised uh, by strangers uh, on the state. 
Um, I disagree uh, with Rand Paul because I don't believe that children should be punished because of the misdeeds or um, uh, bad judgment uh, of their parents. And the babies born here of mothers who came from another country are as much American citizens as FDR and Ronald Reagan and you and me, because we were born here. And none of us chose to be born here. And none of us had anything to do with where we were born. I mean, you can make the same argument uh, with respect to our um, rape and incest and abortion. You're going to kill the baby because of the crime of the father. I'm not in favor of that. Judge, how should we deal with this migrant crisis the United States is facing? We have people who are coming across our border, not just from Mexico or South America. We have Chinese nationals making their way to Mexico to come into the United States. We have uh, Russian immigrants coming in uh, across the United States because they know the border is wide open. And specifically, when I see a scenario that's unfolding, such as on the island of Lampedusa, which you helped me pronounce this morning, thank you, you know, your ancestral homeland of Italy is facing a crisis like, like no country has ever seen before, where on this island, for example, of 4,000 people, a migrant boat was, was dropped off on this island of 6,000 people who have no means to support themselves. They have no skills or ability to be able to assimilate quickly into the, the culture of this island. And now Africans outnumber Italians uh, on an Italian island. I mean, how should those citizens react to that kind of a scenario? Is, is, that, is that fair to them? Well, you know, this is an area that uh, splits uh, libertarians, uh, Austin. Some uh, libertarians believe that uh, when people arrive here, they're arriving on government property and using government streets, and the government can regulate uh, who comes here. Uh, other libertarians believe uh, that the government has no more business uh, regulating who can walk on the streets than it does owning uh, public schools because their right to travel is a natural human right, just like the right to think and speak and, and self-defense. And the government uh, can't uh, interfere with that. Uh, the, the problem is, of course, in my view, the welfare state. If we didn't have a welfare state here, if these folks didn't know because they've been told, I'm going to, have to keep Lampedusa out of it because Italy is virtually a socialist country anyway. But if, if people coming to the United States we're not of the belief that, oh, you'll get to go to school, you can go to a hospital, they'll give you a, a place to live, and they'll even give you a credit card so you can have food, because the Supreme Court has said uh, the states have to provide a basic safety welfare net, which means food, shelter, and clothing. If the welfare state didn't exist, we wouldn't have the migrant uh, problem at all. But the welfare state uh, exists. Both parties uh, support it. It's the haves, I'm using um, Hans Hermann Hoppe's phrase, it's the haves versus uh, have-nots. And the it's, government it's just a, takes from the haves and gives to the have-nots. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Judge. It's, it's challenging because even like the most liberal or definition of open borders that I have read, uh, you must be familiar with Sheikha Sud Dalmia from the Reason Foundation. Her definition of open borders itself still states that it doesn't mean that there literally are no borders, 
uh, she says that that nation states do have should have appropriate powers to be able to account for the national security of their citizens. People don't have a right to come to a nation if they're intent on doing crimes such as terrorism or engaging in human trafficking of minors across borders. So there does need to be some kind of a security system to account for people who wish to commit who wish to come to the United States to commit crimes to to spy for the communist chinese party for example or or to uh to tr engage in trafficking of minors for example so there does need to be some kind of a security system for nations to prevent that kind of um of aggression against our natural rights isn't that correct i wouldn't trust the federal government with any security system i wouldn't trust it with anything i don't trust it with the borders if you read the constitution the the constitution says the federal government is in charge of naturalization and the states are in charge of immigration the feds in, a, in an 1886 supreme court opinion just stole that authority uh from the states and continued to uh to bigfoot the states so then, jefferson then it would and be appropriate for the states to do so judge say again then it would be appropriate for the states to do so for texas to establish its own security protocol well, it would be appropriate under the Constitution. It would not be appropriate under the under uh, the natural law. However, under the Constitution, if uh, California uh, let people in uh, with no borders, Texas couldn't stop them from crossing uh, the desert into into Texas because the right of interstate travel is a fundamental liberty. See, fundamental liberty means it can't be taken away uh, absent due process, and due process means. The government would have to prove that you did something wrong uh, at a jury trial. It can't just say, we think you're dangerous. We think those children are not yours. Therefore, we're going to interfere with your freedom of travel. So I'm obviously coming down on, no surprise, on the true north uh, side. But I, I recognize uh, the problems. You know, I live in the New York City metropolitan area. Even though I live out in the country, I'm 75 miles from the, from Manhattan. But Manhattan is a mess now uh, because of migrants who have been uh, shipped here because of the obligation of the state under Supreme Court um, case law and under New York state law, which mirrors and mimics the Supreme Court case law to provide food, shelter and clothing uh, for whoever comes here. Did Joe Biden send them here? No, but he's getting the blame for it. Uh, Greg Abbott sent them here. How did they get into the United States? Well, I don't know how they got into the United States. I don't know if these folks are, uh, are lawfully here uh, or not lawfully here. But I, I, I believe that they're here because they know they can benefit from it. Some of them want to work, and some of them want to do jobs that American young folks don't want to do. They should be able to do it, and the Fed should have nothing to do with it. If I want to pay some kids to work on my farm, that's between them and me, and Washington should have no uh, say in it. But I could get in trouble if I hired them because they don't have social security numbers and they don't pay taxes to the almighty federal government. These are the kinds of things I remember when we worked together that would get you the angry letters at Fox when you would say things like this, Judge. We appreciate you very much, Judge. You're very brave to say so true north, even on issues so complex and difficult as these. I'd, I'd love it, Judge, if you would share with us who you have coming up on your amazing show, Judging Freedom. Oh, I, I have one of my uh, tent poles. You know, uh, you know that phrase from your television days, the person that 
uh, produces the uh, highest ratings. Tony Schaefer, Colonel Schaefer, uh, at 11 this morning, and my tent pole, uh, Scott Ritter, uh, at 3.30 uh, this afternoon. Uh, the latest on Ukraine and why the American uh, media is beginning to doubt how much longer the West can keep doing this. Why is the American media doubting it? Because the CIA is doubting it. And the CIA wants those doubts out there to give old Joe an off-ramp, if you follow me. Well, if the CIA says that I might, I tend to believe the opposite. Then that sounds like Ukraine must be winning. <laughs> Judge Andrew Napolitano, the host of the Judging Freedom podcast, and his weekly column at judgenap.com, his weekly appearance here on the Wake Up America show. Thank you, Judge. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Likewise, Austin. All the best to you. Thank you very much. This is the island of Lampedusa. 6,000 African migrants dumped off on an island with an Italian population of 4,000 people. And here as well, you can see a migrant in Italy who um, assaults a minor here on the street, grabs a minor on the street, and then Italian citizens took dale, justice dale. in their own hands. Dale fuerte, dale. That's what they do to people who can't keep their hands to themselves there in Italy. Here's what Louis C.K. had to say about the illegal immigration crisis. But, but my feeling is they should open it, the border, and just let them pour in, let everybody pour in, and, and then the answer, which is, well, then there will be all these problems. Yes, there should be. It shouldn't be so great here, is what I'm saying, in America. It shouldn't be. It's a weird thing to sequester a certain group of people and try to keep upping their lifespan and their lifestyle and just keep trying to increase that for this group of people and then everyone's and then this pressure of people trying to come in so they can enjoy it uh and then it gets worse and worse down here i mean i'm not in canada it's really just from down here uh there's something wrong with that that's not a system that's working and it forces people to do cruel things to other people there's a lot of people that die so americans can be safe mm. they're just dying you know, weddings that are drone bombed in Yemen because the guy said something that might have resulted in American insecurity, not even like definite American deaths, but like just so we can breathe a little easier. Folks die Flake, and folks do labor there, in we? unsafe places so that we can keep the prices where we like them. There's so much about American life that other people pay for that's part of it but also it's not good for us either it's not a good way to live in a gated community you know if if you let folks pour in like any other wave it'll kind of slosh and then y'all just things will be different i i don't know like there what'll really happen a bunch of people like will they just come with knives and start <laughs> killing everybody i know yeah actually we're going to talk about that with my buddy todd cb he was a writer and producer with the judge and me on Freedom Watch back in the day. We're going to talk to him about that when we get back on the Wake Up America show, wakeupamericashow.com. Don't forget, click like and subscribe. 1,300 people. What's with all the likes? See some more. Be right back. But my feeling is they should open it, the border, and just let them pour in, let everybody pour in, and, and then the answer, which is, well, then there will be all these problems. Yes, there should be. It shouldn't be so great here, is what I'm saying. 
in America. It shouldn't be. It's a weird thing to sequester a certain group of people and try to keep upping their lifespan. It shouldn't be so great here in America. Good morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. That was kind of an odd take there from comedian Louis C.K. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. It's nice to see all 1,100 of your bright, smiling faces this morning. I, I can't actually see them. But I'm picturing you all, and you're probably naked. Sorry, it just helps me to not be so nervous. <laughs> we got such a big audience. If you're enjoying the content that you're watching this morning, don't forget to click like and subscribe to the channel, because I know what happens. You're getting your kids ready for work in the morning sometimes. You tune in for like 15 minutes, and you're like, man, I really like this Austin Peterson kid. That was a great show. I definitely want to tune in again. But then you forget to click subscribe. Well, don't forget. Click subscribe right now so that you can join us when we're live every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time, the Wake Up America show streams. We're all about economic freedom and personal liberty. We're grateful to have you here. Grover Bentley says he's at work and he can't be naked. LOL. Very funny, Grover. Thank you for your support and for being a monthly subscriber, Grover. Thank you very much for helping to sustain the show and help us to spread our principles and ideals. What the hell is Louis C.K. talking about? You know, we had a good conversation with Judge Napolitano just a few minutes ago about this issue of immigration, and he had a legal standpoint on it. But one of the people who's actually had probably a bigger impact on my thinking on libertarian ideals than he probably even knows, um, I'm going to give him a lot of credit for it. He's an author of a book called Libertarianism for Beginners, and he was also a writer and producer on that show, Freedom Watch. He's joining us now live from New York City. His name is Todd Seavey, and he's here with us now. Good morning, Todd. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yes, uh, we won't get into this, but I'll just say as an aside very briefly, you were actually one of the people who really made me think about the rights of animals when you were talking to us about perhaps way, the more intelligent an animal is, the more likely they should have rights. So it was it was something I've always thought about. And uh, thank you for that, Todd. But um, uh, let's talk about the rights of humans, because uh, when I see Louis C.K. saying that he wants to bring immigrants to our country to make our country worse... You could say that he's joking, but if he were joking, then that would, I would, I would assume that that meant that he actually believed the opposite, but I don't think he actually does believe the opposite. I think Louis C.K. thinks that actually immigrants coming to the United States will make our country worse. What's your take on that video? Well, I think uh, often comedians aren't saying exactly what they think is true, but they're also not saying exactly what they think is false. They're sort of saying things in a sloppy, artistic way. Uh, and I think in a way, He's close to making the free market argument for immigration when he says things like that. When he when he uses phrases like things will sort of slosh around and then they'll find a new level. I mean, that's not such a bad description of the way prices work. You know, so if you get a huge new wave of workers initially, there might be a small uh, reduction in, in overall wages. But over the long haul, production will now be cheaper. So prices will come down and it will be easier for those workers themselves to afford the more easily produced goods. Um, and, you know, at first uh, you might find that you have a little extra trouble finding housing in your neighborhood. Um, but uh, there'll be a boom in things like, you know, Airbnb or new apartment construction construction uh, if laws don't forbid it. Actually, right here in New York City, where I am, there's an amusing example of government working in two opposite directions at the same time, uh, counterproductively. So at the same time that the mayor is insisting that New York is full 
and we can't take any more immigrants, which is hilarious, you know, by historical standards. But at the same time, he's insisting New York is full. Uh, the New York City government is working to effectively ban Airbnb. So you've got people all over the city willing to take in outsiders and probably perfectly willing to take in a lot of tourists from other countries and immigrants uh, and be paid for it. Uh, but they're making it harder for people to do that and then whining that they can't find housing for the tiny handful of new migrants showing up. Uh, and likewise, prices, you know, would eventually adjust to uh, newcomers. And uh, and and the important thing is, overall, it would be more efficient if people could go where uh, the best jobs for them are and could uh, buy goods from the most efficient places to buy goods. And I should also, you know, you, you mentioned uh, human rights uh, earlier. Uh, it's not easy to say this sometimes to a really patriotic crowd, but Louis C.K. is sort of on the right track in utilitarian terms when he says that one chunk of uh, geography on the earth is not the only thing that matters. I mean, we do care to some extent about how happy people all over the globe are, and they'll be happier if they're allowed to travel to where they want to be. Uh, and I often think that young conservatives in particular being anti-immigration is partly a function of them being too young to remember the Berlin Wall coming down. I mean, the greatest victories for markets and individual rights in perhaps all of human history occurred in the 20th century when fascism ended and when uh, communism collapsed. And in particular, when the Berlin Wall came down and people could start moving freely in and out of Eastern Europe. In fact, uh, even before the Berlin Wall literally physically came down, it came down in a political sense in that the Eastern European countries gave up on trying to prevent all immigration. And once people could migrate and show what they preferred, which was markets and freedom, the game was over for communism. So if you claim to be anti-communist, you should definitely want people to travel and engage in markets. Oh, Donald Trump. So I would claim, and I think on some level... Okay. Uh, I think on some uh, level, Louis C.K. understands that. Uh, perhaps. Uh, but it, the way that he uh, uh, articulated initially, I would say it was rather inartful. Uh, and speaking of uh, inartful articulations, Donald Trump says in 2015, they're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. <laughs> so, so some are good people, but they're not all good people, Todd. True. Um, and it would be better to focus on arresting the bad people than on tarring everyone with the same broad brush. In fact, you know, police officers themselves will tell you that if they didn't have to spend their time uh, arresting all drug users, um, that's changing a little now. But, uh, you know, in the 20th century, late 20th century, they were supposed to arrest everyone, including all the pot users. And that wasted a lot of time. They could have spent specifically arresting murderers and burglars who were the real problem. Uh, and likewise, you don't keep out everyone south of the border, uh, south of Texas, uh, because some of them are rapists and murderers. You arrest the rapists and murderers. That's what the law is supposed to do. And it'll be more focused and more intelligent if you stick to that mission instead of trying to stop everyone. And of course, uh, people never apply this sort of anti-immigration logic uh, consistently to things like interaction between U.S. states. So, for instance, some people crossing the border from Vermont into New Hampshire uh, will be violent criminals. Some of them will be burglars. 
Um, that doesn't mean you put up a wall and prevent all people from Vermont from crossing over into New Hampshire. That would be insane. And some of the anti-immigration people get so caught up in the anti-immigration logic, they're almost willing to go that far. I remember uh, on the, I think it was on the message boards of the Libertarian uh, Mises Institute, there was an argument about immigration. Uh, and at one point, uh, people were talking about how if you took the uh, anti-immigration logic far enough, each state in the U.S. would be able to block people from other states from, from ever entering unless that state's government said you can come in. And the rea the sarcastic reaction of some of the right-wing trolls on the message board was to say, oh, no, we won't be able to have new visitors to Alabama from other states. What a nightmare. So, But I would contend that is a nightmare. It frightens me enough to think of the, of the U.S. being an isolated place cut off from the rest of the world. But I certainly don't want to be stuck in Alabama and told by its government that I'm cut off from the rest of the world. That seems blatantly insane. Okay, oh, hold on. Yeah. Todd, we're getting some criticism in the chat, and I, I want them to be heard. Um, Am Ren article narrations. I'm guessing American Renaissance. Okay. A lot, a lot of... Lot of um, <laughs> A lot of, um, uh, I, would, I won't say anti-immigration, but probably not as free immigration as you or I. Uh, they want to be heard, so let's let them be heard. He says, that he says you're saying such goofy platitudes. He says, only uh, arrest the rapists and murderers. No shit. The problem is identifying them first. Now, he makes a good point here, Todd, because um, you know, as someone who's done the homework here, not only have I read the Mises Institute, but I read the Cato, Cato Institute, and I wish that one day they would stop, my two friends would stop fighting. Mom and dad would stop fighting. But that doesn't seem like it'll ever happen. But uh, from the most liberal definition of open borders that I've read from our mutual friend, Sheikha Sudalmia at the Reason Foundation, the way that she describes open borders specifically in her paper is one that states that this is not a view of open borders such as the one that exists now, where we're talking about literally they're streaming across the border with no security pro protocol whatsoever. But the most liberal definition of open borders that Sheikha has written says that, yes, a nation state does have, should have appropriate powers, hesitate to use the word rights because I don't believe in governments with rights, but, but that a state should have appropriate powers to be able to provide for the national security or the defense of the people of that state to prevent people who are legitimately coming here to engage in acts of terrorism, people who are in coming in here to engage in drug crimes that are legitimate drug crimes, not like as you and I would understand it because we want to end the war on drugs. That's, a, that's an argument for another day, but also those who engage in the human trafficking of minors across our borders. And the only way, Todd, for us to be able to do that is to have some sort of a process to ensure that if someone is bringing children across the border, that they're not doing so for the purposes of taking them ultimately to Epstein's Island or, you know, to, you know, some Democrats, you know, party in Hollywood, for example. So there, even by that, working by that definition of open borders, Todd, it, it, there is an argument to be made for a proper security and onboarding protocol, is there not? Uh, well, I mean, there are, there are a lot of complex counterfactuals all lumped in together at the same time there. So I would sort of have to know, I guess, like a good sci-fi writer, uh, which factors are we changing hypothetically and which are we not changing and maybe which order are we changing them in chronologically. So it gets complicated. Um, but, uh, but I would say while we're trying to sort that out, uh, clarity in language, uh, just like clarity in law is very important. So, um, just as it's bad to talk about all Mexicans as if they're an invasion, 
when what you want to do with words like invasion is identify, you know, violent foreign military threats. It's also dangerous to use broad, sloppy terms like human trafficking. I mean, if what you mean is you're kidnapping and imprisoning 14 year olds, that's bad. And we want to crack down on that. But sometimes when people say human human trafficking, all they really mean is travel that hasn't been approved by the government. Travel but, but let's not but let's not argue semantics, Todd, because you and I are both on the same side on this issue largely. And you and I know that the the type of trafficking that I'm talking about, you should use my definition, of course, is that which is uh, being used for the rape of minors. And so that kind of that kind of trafficking is the kind of trafficking that that definition is what we should be working on. Because like you and like Judge Napolitano, I happen to believe in a more libertarian view of immigration and that it does provide an overall benefit. But also there has to be some kind of a balance with our national security rights that when you have members of the Chinese Communist Party being caught coming across our border, there does have to be some kind of a protocol to ensure that we don't have malicious uh, terrorists coming across our border or state terrorists coming across our border in order to do harm. So, you know, uh, uh, what I'm trying to get you to say, Todd, and perhaps you're not going mm -hmm. to say it, is, is you know, it, is it reasonable to expect that some kind of a protocol such as there was, there was during the Ellis Island years, even at the great waves of mass immigration in the United States, is appropriate to have a functional, healthy, I'm going to use the D word that people hate, a functional, healthy de democracy, or an American republic. We're not a democracy. It's a republic. God damn it. I'm going to get angry letters. Um... But isn't it appropriate for us to have some kind of a security protocol to vet people who come here, not only for the fear of terrorism or for government actors, but also for the fears of a pandemic? Oh, well, OK, so that's like four different threats simultaneously. So we're talking about communists, <laughs> uh, child molesters, um, well, let's see, uh, uh, disease carriers. And uh, I think there was at least one other, some other Good sort of violent criminal. <laughs> Good list. And I, I would just say that uh, if there are millions of people crossing back and forth across the border and those specific things are your concerns, um, the, the more you try to stop everyone, the more you're going to waste time and resources you could have spent uh, pursuing uh, each of those crimes, which might actually require some detective work. I mean, like the and of course, when you have a big sloppy enforcement mechanism like a, a whole southern border wall, um, you know, the, we we already know lots of people dig their way under it or go around it. Sure, uh, Todd, but 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 the best way to prevent a disease is to not let the disease in your body in the first place, right? To have a vaccine in place. I know I just triggered a lot of the. <laughs> there's a lot of triggering going on with the words we're using here, but. You get the vaccine so that you don't get the disease in the first place. I'm not trying to say immigrants are a disease, but I am referring to COVID-19 and other possible pandemics, right? You don't want to let the disease in your country and then go hunt it down later, Todd. Well, I mean, uh, if lots of Swedes visit, there might be an increase in ski accidents. But, you know, again, you wouldn't respond by forbidding all immigration from Europe. You would, you know, focus specifically on whether ski slopes are letting untrained people ski. You know, like they're very narrow, tailored <laughs> responses uh, to these specific problems and to tar all immigrants with the same brush. I mean, it's, I'm not just worried because that's bigoted. I'm, I'm just I'm worried because it's stupid and sloppy and doesn't precisely address the problems you're concerned about. Uh, and some of those problems would go away 
if we weren't trying to enforce the wrong rules. So if we think immigration in general is something the government should crack down on, a lot of energy is going to be wasted in trying to you know, track every entering immigrant. If we think drugs are something the government should crack down on, you're going to, I mean, you're actually, you're probably going to end up with helicopters flying across the border into Latin America to shoot up uh, fields of, of drugs being grown there. Um, something that, you know, it, it's a, a problem the government itself created and then complains that it, it can't solve even while it's crossing borders to solve this problem, which results in uh, the cartels getting more money uh, and being more able to fund crime north of the border. So I think a lot of these problems are self-created. They're created by government or they're created by attempts to isolate cultures from each other when it should be individuals deciding where to work, where to live, where to travel. I mean, there were barely even passports until around the late 19th, early 20th century. Uh, if free people travel, let them do so. Uh, I, I think uh, it, it would have been horrifying if, uh, say, Lithuania were significantly closer to the U.S. And as communism was collapsing, the Lithuanians all started fleeing and saying, oh, we'd rather be in America. We'd rather be free. And the response of American conservatives have been, had been, oh, no, there might be some socialists amongst the Lithuanians. Don't let them in. I mean, that probably would have caused communism to last longer, which is the last thing we want. So. Uh, you know, let people go where the opportunities are. Uh, let them use their own property as they choose, and let so them then, vote with so their. So then, feet. you don't believe in the physical removal of communists from society. Uh, well, I, I would, I would, uh, I would want great clarity on what you mean by that. So, like, if the communist tries to steal something, then arrest him. I, I don't want to start arresting people just for their bad ideas. I should say, um, and uh, and I don't think. Uh, if you're going to start arresting people people for their ideas, presumably that horrific plan is one that you would apply to people who were born here as well as people from elsewhere, right? Like if the statistics start to show that a, an American-born uh, Eastern European is more likely to be a socialist than, uh, than I'm, a well, person I'm more interested. I'm more likely today. interested in a trade. I don't want to necessarily deport. So how about this? Let's compromise and we can deport Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and we can import a good Cuban from Cuba who wants to come to the United States, start a business, and vote Republican. Well, the easiest way to achieve results like that is to let the individuals travel. I, I assume she was born here, if, uh, but you know, if she decided she'd rather be in China, let her go. And if the Cuban wants to be here, let him come. Individuals can sort these things out better than governments. And in fact, when governments sort them out, the problems tend to last longer and the solutions tend to be more clumsy. Uh, we don't want that. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience? We've thoroughly ticked everyone off so far this morning. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we let you go today? Well, I guess on another comedy note, uh, my column on splicetoday.com, where I write a weekly column, uh, my column today there is about Russell Brand uh, and his good and bad points. Looks like he might be a serial sexual harasser. On the other hand, he's also been an interesting anarchist uh, in, in recent years and sounding more like a populist and less like a leftist. So I talk a little bit about his good and bad points in today's column, uh, and you can find me there every week. I'm actually, I'm starting a new movement, Todd, these days, because I think that Russell Brand has angered the uh, globalist elites, and that's why they're coming for him. So uh, I think that people are innocent until proven guilty. So I've started a new movement. It's called Believe All Men, All Men. So hashtag Believe All Men. Todd CB, thank you very much for your time today and for your insight on this topic. Very controversial, but we appreciate you very much. And we hope to have you back again real soon. Oh, thanks very much.
Thanks very much. That's Todd Seavey, Reedy's column at Splice Today. There you go. Todd Seavey, he and I work together on Judge Napolitano's show, Freedom Watch. It's a tough issue there. I got to say, I'm kind of torn. I do think we need to have a security policy to vet people come to the United States for infectious disease and for possibility of the threats of terrorism, spies, and human trafficking. Gotta have, I, I, I believe, at least. I do think that we need to have a better immigration proposal. I don't believe, like a lot of Republican populists do, that we need less less legal immigration. I think we need less illegal immigration and more legal immigration. But I don't know. There's no incentive for the politicians to solve these problems. They don't. They all benefit from it. Democrats need the the votes. Republicans want the labor. What are we going to do? I don't know. Tell you what. If you are tired of drinking woke coffee, and I know you are, did you see that Starbucks employee was taking whipped cream and wearing a diaper and putting the whipped cream down his diaper? Ew, what the hell is wrong with people? Stop drinking woke coffee. Drink coffee that the founding fathers would have been proud of. My wife Stephanie and I have brought to you the most delicious coffee in the world. And I'm not saying that lightly. It is amazing. My favorite single origin Colombian, Thomas's Painkiller. I drink it almost every day. Today I'm drinking the Jeffersonian Java. Java. It's absolutely delicious. It's a premium coffee for coffee lovers. If you're the type of person who goes to the coffee to the store and drinks leftover two-day or three-day-old coffee that's instant coffee or something like that, we're probably not for you. But if you love premium coffee, if you drink coffee and you're like, God, I love to drink coffee that tastes amazing. Founding Flavors Coffee is for you. And when you see the price on the website, just know we are that is the price delivered to your door. And you can save money if you buy more than one bag. The discounts start to add up. So the price that you see is the price that you get delivered to your door at APForLibertyShop.com. And we are a lower price than other premium coffee brands. So have you tried it? Today's the day. Visit APForLibertyShop.com at APForLibertyShop.com. You can get not only delicious Founding Flavors coffee that the founders would have been proud of, but you can also get awesome Don't Tread On Me shirts, phone cases, all of that created by me and my lovely wife, Stephanie Peterson, brought to you. Today, I think that the average of the Wake Up America show, the average audience was over a thousand. Today was the biggest show in the Wake Up America show history. Every day, we're setting new records. I'm excited. Thank you to the Cantina crew for supporting us. Thank you to our friends uh, at uh, Rumble.com for putting us up on the front page. Please give it up. Big ups for Rumble. I'm so grateful for all of you right now uh, for joining us here this morning and grateful to Rumble. Um, don't forget, if you haven't, to become a monthly subscriber. You get a 20% discount at AP4LibertyShop.com. Today's the day. Become a monthly subscriber to the show. Get that 20% discount, and at the end of each month, you might even win a free prize from the shop. And if you are a monthly subscriber at our 1776 a month level or above, you get a free gift in the mail right away. So... There you go. WakeUpAmericaShow.com slash support. And we'll see you tomorrow. Do you think that tomorrow we'll be able to get more than 2,100 viewers? I don't know. I'm kind of scared. The success. It's frightening. First I was afraid of failure. Now I'm afraid of success. <laughs> don't live in fear, AP. We'll see you tomorrow on the Wake Up America Show at WakeUpAmericaShow.com.